listening to audio from Twin Villages Church in Damariscotta, Maine. If you'd like to check out more resources, please visit twinvillageschurch.org. All right, so this morning we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 5. Uh, first five verses of 1 Peter chapter 5. And last week we talked about TBC commitments, a commitment to teaching and mission and discipleship and prayer and gospel responsibility. We had our three initiatives, right, with the building. That's our Jerusalem. Uh, Judea and Samaria was strategic planning, specifically targeting outreach and how can we be more active in our community. And the third initiative was um, patterned after the ends of the earth, and that's a short-term missions trip to, I'm praying, the Czech or Romania or Hungary or maybe all three. And so we talked about that, but this morning um, we're going to be installing um, another elder at TBC, Jeff Norton. And, And this is a tremendous step. This is a very important step in the life of the church. Why? Because God is once again showing himself faithful in providing for his church. And one way that God does that is providing godly men to be shepherds or under shepherds of his church, and that is the role of of an elder. It is a, one, it's a, an important role in the life of the church. Um, it's a, it's a one that has tremendous responsibility, and it's one that you're never to enter into lightly. Hebrews 13, 17 tells us that we are to obey our leaders and submit to them because they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. And so your elders are going to have to stand before God and answer for you, and how did you perhaps disciples so-and-so. How did you come alongside them? We're going to have to give an account. And I will tell you that that keeps me up at night sometimes. Right? It changes the way that you make decisions. It changes the way that you lead. It changes the way that you invest when you understand the weight that is behind the role of an elder. Right? But as you read the New Testament. Um, you'll come across several places, um, you read the book of Acts, especially where, where Paul appoints elders and where churches are appointing elders. And so the first thing I want to talk about, and this is just my introduction, by the way, is this idea of appointing. Like, it's, it's recognizing this person, this man is gifted, and he is, he's an elder, and we need to make him an elder. Again, it's not entered into lightly, but it's not done in secret. It's not this back room, back alley deal that we make. Right? In Acts chapter 14, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders in every church in the various cities in Asia Minor. In Titus chapter 1, Paul leaves Titus behind to put into place what or to put what remained in order, excuse me, and one of those was appointing elders. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Titus, was chel- Titus again was joined by a well-known brother who was appointed by the churches to accompany Paul. And so there's this idea of you, you appoint elders, you appoint leaders. As you read in the New Testament, you'll also read that prayer was a very integral part of that process. In fact, Jesus in Luke chapter 6 prayed all night before choosing the 12. In Acts chapter 6, 
This is when the, the first deacons were uh, installed. Right? They prayed after they assigned them, selected them, they prayed over them. In Acts chapter 13, Paul and, Bar- Paul and Barnabas are appointed as missionaries, and the church fasted and prayed before making that selection, and then prayed over them and commissioned them. So you have, you have appointment, you have this public appointment, you have prayer, and then number three, you have this laying on of hands, where people would gather around, lay hands on them, and pray for them as you commission them for this task. Again, Acts chapter 6, they laid their hands on, the, on deacons. Acts chapter 13, they laid hands on Paul and Barnabas. In fact, Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4 not to neglect the gift that was confirmed by the laying on of the hands of the elders. 1 Timothy chapter 5, Paul warns Timothy not to be too hasty to lay hands on leaders. So based upon Scripture, we believe that TBC, it's our job, it's our responsibility to appoint Right, to publicly recognize, to pray for, and to lay hands on our elders and our leaders. And that's what we're going to do this morning. We're, you're going to hear appointment-type language. Right, we're going to call Jeff Ford, and we're going to, we have vows, and they're in your worship guide that we're going to read to him, and he's going to answer. And then there's vows for the congregation. This will all make more sense as we continue on, and, and I, when I continue, as we get to 1 Peter chapter 5. And then we're going to call everyone forward to to lay hands on Jeff and to pray for him. We do this not to make a show. We do this because this is the pattern that we see in the Bible when it comes to appointing leaders and commissioning leaders. So to be appointed to the office of elder, the implication is that Jeff has met all the biblical qualifications of 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1, being called and gifted by God. Now, I will tell you, right, that as you read 1 Timothy chapter 3, 1 through 7, if you read Titus chapter 1, verses 5 through 9, Jeff does not do all of those perfectly. Okay? Because there's not one of us sitting in this room that does all those things perfectly. So, we know this. There's always, always work to be done but we believe, and you affirmed last week, that you believe that Jeff is called to, to be an elder. So we want to take that and take time to, to recognize that and to appoint and to pray over him. So I do want to spend a few minutes in 1 Peter chapter 5, and then we'll call Jeff up front. We'll go through some vows, and then we'll spend time as a church praying for, for Jeff. So let me read 1, uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, 1 through 5. I will pray, and then we will have some fun here this morning. Peter writes these words, So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, 
but gives grace to the humble. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you for um, this opportunity to again to gather and to worship. Lord, it is such a gift. Lord, and so I pray that you would be with us now this morning as we spend time in your words. Lord, as we celebrate your faithfulness to this church in providing another elder to help lead and to provide oversight. Lord, but we know and we long for our great shepherd, Jesus, to return. But until that day, Lord, you have called us to be on mission. You have called us to, to be organized and to have structure and to be about your gospel. So Lord, I pray that you would help us this morning understand that better, understand what it takes to do that well, because your apostle Peter tells us in this text. So Lord, I pray that you would help us to hear and to understand this morning. And I pray this all in your name. Amen. So a little bit of background on the letter uh, that Peter wrote here, this first Peter. Um, he's writing to believers, he's writing to churches um, that have been dispersed due to persecution. Kind of like Hebrews-ish, right? Kind of. We always have to kind of tie in Hebrews. Right? And so the people were confused, these people were discouraged, um, perhaps these people were wavering in their faith because of the trials, because of the suffering, because of the persecution they were experiencing for following Jesus. And so in the letter of 1 Peter, Peter's calling them to perseverance. And ultimately, he says, look to who? Jesus, right, for this example of suffering and suffering well. Trust God. Right? He, he's sovereign. He's in control. Live in obedience to Him. Right? Keep your hope fixed on God and who He is and what He has done for you through Jesus. And suffering is to be expected. But it's temporary, it's uncomfortable, but it does yield blessing. So there's, there's, there's growth that happens, there's a strengthening that happens, there's actually a confidence that happens as you live life and as you experience suffering and suffering for Jesus, right? So there's First Peter in, in, a, in a snapshot, in a, in a nutshell. So then he gets to chapter 5, and now he starts speaking right, to the, to the leadership, to the elders of the church, but actually he's still speaking to the entire church. So I exhort the elders among you. Okay, so he's talking to the elders that are among the people. Right, so elders, those who are in leadership, among you, everybody else. Right, so what, what Peter has to say here, he's calling for an accountability amongst the people in the church, not just the leadership, but the people in the church. Right, this, this is no private matter for Peter. It's one for the entire church. He's not writing a separate letter to the elders of these churches. Right? What he has to say, what he needs to say, is for the entire church to hear. And he uses his credentials as motivation. Right? So I encourage the elders among you as a fellow elder. So he's identifying himself with the elders of this church and saying, hey, listen, I'm an elder with you. And there's actually some humility written in here because Peter's an apostle. and He could have dropped the apostle name on these people and said, do this because I'm an apostle. He's saying, no, listen, I'm a fellow elder. 
I, I, I know what it means to, to lead a church. I know the struggles. I know the challenges. I know the spiritual battles that are going to take place. I, I know all of those things. So I'm coming to you as a fellow elder. I'm coming to you as someone who witnessed the sufferings of Christ. I walked with Jesus. I was taught by Jesus. I saw Jesus suffer. And you're experiencing suffering. Look to Jesus. He suffered well. He knows, he knows what it means to suffer. He is our example of suffering. And I'm the I'm, I'm partaker in the glory that is to be revealed. Like Jesus is coming back. And when he's coming back, there's going to be this, this, this glory that's going to just take over the, the, the worlds. He's going to destroy evil. He's going to establish his kingdom. He's going to reward his people. He's going to rule his people. There is such blessing and hope. So church, listen. Elders, listen. This is what I have to say because of these things. So Peter is seeking to strengthen and encourage the church by encouraging the leaders to lead well. But he's going to encourage the people to, to follow well also. So the implication is that in times of suffering, in times of trial, especially in those times, churches need strong, godly leadership. And so now he's going to encourage three groups of people by using commands. Right now, I think this is just like a little, little quick aside. Um, I think the fact that Peter is addressing this is fantastic. Because if you know anything about Peter, he has a kind of a tendency to speak at a turn, puts his foot in his mouth, doesn't necessarily engage his brain before he engages his mouth. Right? You, th- you think about the, the way that Peter spoke against Jesus. Oh, you're not, that's not going to happen to you. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. I see. So like, for Peter to start talking about leadership and following leadership and submitting to leadership and what it, what it takes to be, to, to live well in a church and to do those things well, I think is fantastic. It should be a huge encouragement to us. He's a good example. But here's what he does. Now, in verses 2 through 5, the first, the first command that he gives, right, is to the elders, and it is to shepherd the flock of God that is among you. So he's going to go after the elders first, and he spends the most time talking about the elders. Why? Because that's where the bulk of his encouragement needs to be. He's trying to encourage the elders, you have to lead well even in times of suffering, even in times of trial. Shepherd. What does it mean to shepherd? He doesn't necessarily unpack that, but we think about shepherding and what it means for an elder to shepherd. There's a teaching element to that. Teach sound biblical truth, which by God's grace will produce wisdom in your people, discernment, conviction, consistency, perseverance, growth, right? Concern for the things that God is concerned with. Four, right? Effective ministry. So all those things, as you teach the Word of God, by God's grace, things like that, there's the fruit that starts to be come to fruition because of that teaching. So there's a teaching or there's an instruction element. There's a protection element. In Acts chapter 20, 
Paul tells the churches, hey, you've got to protect the flock, protect. Wolves are going to come in from the outside. Wolves are going to come from up from within. Protect the people. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says we're, that elders are to equip the people for the work of the ministry. Right? So, so the elders are to, 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 to know their people and to know the gifts, the many gifts that make up the church kind of like a computer keyboard, and you, so you, make, you, you know these gifts, say, okay, how can we take these gifts now and equip these people to use these gifts? So if, if the elders are doing their job well, right, the congregation has a job to do, right? Because we're like, hey, you're gifted here, boom, right? So you, this is how it works. Right, but Paul, excuse me, Peter focuses on two specific areas of importance. Number one is this exercising oversight. Exercising oversight. Now, here's how you exercise oversight, Peter says. Number one, not under compulsion, but willingly. Right, not under compulsion. Well, I guess I'm an elder, so this is what I got to do. Well, I guess I'm a teacher, so this is what I need to do. I guess I'm a parent, so this is what I need to do. I guess I'm a, not under compulsion, right, but willingly, as God would have you, with joy, Hebrews 13 tells us. Right? So not under compulsion, but understand what, what you're called to do and do it with, with a sense of joy, not out of strict obligation. You're to exercise oversight, right? Not under compulsion, but willingly, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. It's not about self. It's not about posturing. It's not about setting yourself up to be over others. It's, it's none of those things. It's a sense of being eager to meet the needs of others. As you know your people, say, okay, how can we, how can we meet this need? How can we help this family? So it's exercising oversight, but then it's also, Peter tells us, but by being examples to the flock. <laughs> so good leaders lead by example, right? Lead by example. They're involved in the lives of the people. They set this godly pattern of discipleship. And what it means to disciple people. And so other people are like, oh, that, that's what that, I can do that. We don't do this in a domineering way. Not a dictator, not oppressive, not intimidating. Right? But we do this by, by serving. It's like, hey, we know the people, so you're an example to, to the flock. And the motivation for all this, Peter tells us, right, in verse 4, is that when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the unfading crown of glory. Right? There's a promised reward for, for leading well and leading in a way that pleases and honors God. Because the chief shepherd is, is Christ. It's his church. Right? So, so elders are under shepherds. But the chief shepherd is coming back. Christ is going to come back. 
and there's rewards for, for leading well. So shepherding is serious business. It's a sobering responsibility. And elders are accountable to God for the way that they do indeed shepherd. Yes, it's a daunting task, but God gives us grace upon grace to accomplish that task. And there's rewards coming for those who lead well. So that's what Peter talks about as being an elder, shepherding, not under compulsion, but willingly, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering, but being an example to the people. And then he gets to verse 5. And he says this, the first, the first part of verse 5, he says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. And so there's this little, like, kind of tagline. So he's, he's talked about eldership and what it means to elder and elder well. And then he says, okay, now you who are younger, so you who are not elders, um, you need to be subject, and that's the command, to the elders. So elders are to shepherd, there's their command. Those who aren't, the younger, the command is to be subject to the, to the elders. So it's an encouragement, right, to those who are in the church. Hebrews 13, again, obey your leaders and submit to them. Let them then, I'll read the entire verse, verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Or there's this call to submit to the leadership of the church. And what you're doing ultimately, all right, because I, I, I'm, no, I'm no fool, right? I've got issues, I'm quirky, I'm weird, I have sin, I have all these things going, I'm frustrating to people, I understand that, right? I don't lead perfectly, nor does Breck, and nor does Grant, and nor will Jeff, right? But you need to trust God, right, with the leaders that He has placed over you, with those men that He has called to lead this church, because God is sovereign over that, and He's going to give the leaders, this church, leaders that the church needs. Probably not the leaders that you want, but the leadership that the church needs to be faithful to the mission of the church. So He's talked to the elders about shepherding. He's talked about the others about being subject. And now number three, here's the third command, clothe yourselves... And listen to what he does here. He says, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. Right? In fact, if you go back to the original, if you go back to the Greek language, that phrase, it's, it's all toward one another, is actually fronted. And that's always done for a lot of times for emphasis. And so the idea is, Everybody needs to do this, and what does everybody need to do? They need to be humble. You need to be humble. Everybody. Elders, be humble. People, be humble. 
be humble toward one another. Consider the other person more important than yourself. Consider their needs over yours. Be humble. Why? Why should we be humble? Because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So we're to, we're to live with this sense of humility towards one another, no matter where you fall. Whether you're an elder or not, we're called to be humble. You can turn over to um, a couple books later. <laughs> Excuse me, how about the book before? Um, James. James chapter 4. And what happens here, right, to talking about the, the dangers of not being humble, the dangers of prides, is this. James chapter 4, starting in verse 1. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. And you ask, you ask but do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. What is the source of quarrels and fights? Selfishness. What I want over what anybody else may want or needs. Me. He goes on down in verses 6 through 10. He says, God gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And so, Peter is taking that and he's pushing it into, this is what it means to, to, to live well together, to live in community together, to be a church family together, is that you need to be humble. So now we need to start thinking about Jesus a little bit here, right? <laughs> and so you go to Mark chapter 9 and verses 33 through 37. And Jesus is walking with his disciples and his disciples are having a conversation about who is the most humble. No. No, who's the greatest, right? <laughs> I mean, there's 12 of us. There's only one of us that can be the greatest. So let's just, let's just hash this out right now. What does Jesus say? Hey, listen, what are you doing? Right? The first must be last. Right? And be servant to all. It's not about you. You need to be about the other person and serving the other person. John chapter 13. And Jesus is washing the disciples' feet. Right? An act of, of humility. You think about, they're wearing sandals. Their feet are dusty and smelly. Who knows what they've stepped in, right? And Jesus gets down and he washes their feet. Now, Peter, right? And this is why Peter's such a good example for us. Peter says, oh, <laughs> you're never going to wash my feet, right? Jesus rebukes him and says, well, if I don't wash your feet, right? And he's like, well, just wash, wash, wash all of me then, right? That's Peter, Right? Oops, probably shouldn't say anything. <clears throat> right? 
but it's, it's serving others. And then you get to Philippians chapter 2. Right? And Paul writes these words in Philippians chapter 2. <laughs> I'm just going to read the entire section, verse, starting in verse 1 of chapter 2. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in His Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Verse 3, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. This is how you are to live. Humility, others more significant. Why? Well, let, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. You ready? who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So Jesus is our example of suffering, but Jesus is our example, right, of, of humility. The only the reason why that you're, you're here, that you're a believer in Jesus, that you're one of His children, is because of the humility of Jesus. Right, so it's, it's, it's a gospel issue. Right, so when you start thinking about getting along together and being a church family together, whether you're an elder or you're not, right, and, and Peter's saying, clothe yourself with humility, right, you have to understand, like, your example is Christ. His humility is why you're a child of God's. Him willing to come to this earth and get involved in the mess of this earth, the mess, by the way, that you cause with your sin and with your rebellion. But He came. In obedience to the Father, He humbled Himself. He lived a perfect, sinless life. He was obedient to the point of death, death on a cross, the most humiliating, agonizing way to die. He did that to pay your sin debt, a debt that you couldn't pay, but that was on your tab. You owed it, but he humbled himself and came to pay that debt for you. He died on the cross. He took on the wrath of God for the sin, your sin. There was a separation in the Trinity. There, there's this break in relationship. God turned his back. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me for you? But God raised him. Because Paul goes on and says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him a name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You're, you're a child of God because of the humility of Christ. So live with humility. Right? It's nothing that you need to consider others more important than your 
self. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So we need to be looking to Jesus. We need to be looking to the example of Jesus and His humility. Right? But we all have work to do. Elders need to shepherd well. Those who aren't need to, to be subject to the elders and, and, and to obey and, and, and to submit to them. But, but ultimately, you're, you're trusting God with the leadership of this church. But both groups need to be humble. So we need to clothe ourselves with humility. We, we need to, I want to encourage you, right, to, to engage with the elders, right? As the elders engage with you, engage with them, right? Get to know your elders. Get to know some of the quirks and the head-scratching things that they do. But pray for your elders. Encourage your elders, we elders meet twice a month, um, and one of those meetings, it's, it's a shepherding meeting. And so we have a list of the people of TVC, and, and we sit and we talk about the people of TVC, not to gossip and update Facebook, but we do that so we're like, hey, how are they doing? How can we pray for them? Do they need anything? Right? It's an opportunity for us to, to, to know the people, to pray for the people of the church. And so I want to encourage you, to do the same for your elders and pray for your elders. Pray that we would lead well, that we would shepherd well, that we would do it willingly, that we'd be eager to do it, that we would be examples. Pray for those things for your elders. <laughs> and so we're going to now um, install Jeff as an elder. Um, again, this, this is a profoundly important day in the life of TVC. It's the faithfulness of God being played out once again um, here in this small little ragtag band of believers in Midcoast, Maine that love Jesus. And so in your worship guide on the, on the back page um, of your worship guide, there are, there are vows and so I'm going, to, I'm going to step down front here. I'm going to call Jeff. I'm going to call uh, Breck and Grant forward as well. And so what we're going to do is the, I will, uh, we'll read um, the non-bold portion. There's 10 vows, and then you'll see Jeff's answer um, in bold. Um, he got a copy of this a while ago and had to read through these to make sure he, he could answer them. Um, by the way, we're not like twisting his arm. This is what you need to say, right? He knows, right? And then after those 10, we're going to ask the congregation to stand um, because you have responsibility as well. And so you have two, uh, two vows there as well. Um, and what we're asking you to do is answer we do or we will um, on number one and on number two. Um, and then we're going to ask you to come forward. <laughs> you don't have to. You can stay in your seats. But we're going to ask you to come forward, and we're going to gather around Jeff, and we're going to lay hands on him. Right? You might not be able to get your hand on him, but if you get your hand on me and my hands on him, it's kind of like the same thing, right? We're going to lay hands on him, and we're going to pray for him. Right? We're going to pray for his leadership. We're going to pray for him because we know right, that when you step out like this, 
um, you're opening yourself up to attack. Right? And he's been through some serious trials. Continues to be in serious trials, but he, he, he's opened himself up because the last thing Satan wants is someone else to be come alongside and help lead this church. So we need to pray for him and pray for his family. So I'm going to ask Jeff to come down front and I'll have Breck and Grant come down, up as well. So we're going to go through the questions, and I will start with the first three. Jeff, do you affirm, reaffirm your faith in Jesus Christ as your own personal Lord and Savior? I do. Do you believe the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be the Word of God, totally trustworthy, fully inspired by the Holy Spirit, the supreme, final, and only infallible rule of faith and practice? I do. Do you sincerely believe that the statement of faith of this church contains the truth taught in the Holy Scriptures? Yes, I do. You promise that if at any time you find yourself out of accord with any of the statements in the statement of faith, you will, on your own initiative, make known to the pastor and the other elders the charge which has taken the change which has taken place. In your views, since your assumption of this vow. Yes, I would. Do you subscribe to the government and discipline of Twin Villages Church? Yes, I do. Do you promise to submit to your fellow elders in the Lord? I will, with God's help. <laughs> do you promise to be zealous and faithful in promoting the truths of the gospel? and the purity and peace of the church, whatever persecution or opposition may arise to you on that account. Yes, once again, with God's help. Will you be faithful and diligent in the exercise of all your duties as elder, whether personal or relative, private or public? And will you endeavor by the grace of God to adorn the profession of the gospel in your manner of life? and to walk with exemplary piety before this congregation. Only by the grace of God. <laughs> I realize I skipped one. I'm sorry. We're going to go back to seven. All right. Have you been induced, as far as you know, your own, as far as you know, your own heart to accept the office of elder from love of God and a sincere desire to promote his glory and the gospel of Jesus Christ? Yes. Now, um, are you willing to take personal responsibility in the life of this congregation as an elder to oversee the ministry and resources of the church and to devote yourself to prayer, the ministry of the word, and the shepherding of God's flock, relying upon the grace of God in such a way that Twin Villages Church and the entire church of Jesus Christ will be blessed? Yes. Yeah. All right. Amen. I'll ask the congregation to please stand. So number one, do you, the congregation of Twin Villages Church, acknowledge and publicly receive Jeff Jordan as an elder, as a gift of Christ to this church? We do. 
Will you love Jeff and pray for him in this ministry and work together with him humbly and cheerfully that by the grace of God you may accomplish the mission of the church, giving him all due honor and support in his leadership to which the Lord has called him to the glory and honor of God. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio from Twin Villages Church in Damascata, Maine. Feel free to share this message with others, and for more information about Twin Villages Church, visit twinvillageschurch.org. Soli Deo Gloria. Thank you.